I'm Donna Carter, and you're listening to Grow on the Go. Today, I'm excited to be chatting with my good friend, Licha Corbella. Hi, Licha. Hi, Donna. Licha happens to be a columnist for the Calgary Herald. After years of being the editorial page editor for the Herald, and previous to that, the Calgary Sun, correct? Correct. So she um, keeps me thinking <laughs> about what's going on in the world and um, has really inspired me on, on a topic quite recently. Um, there, there's been a ton of controversy in Calgary about uh, surrounding the anti-masking protests on the streets of Calgary. I'm sure it's probably going on across the country and in the U.S. Well, we know what's going on in the U.S. It's been on the news. Yeah, all around the world, actually. All around the world. Okay. Um, people have been getting pretty aggressive about assert- asserting their rights without seeming to weigh how their rights affect other people. Would you agree with that? Definitely. Well, I came across something pretty funny that actually my sister found on on social media um, of, of uh someone who was comparing, um, sort of putting these issues into perspective in a a lighthearted way. And it's called um, uh, driving, it's called I don't turn on my headlights because, (laughs) so I'm just going to read this. (laughs) It's cute. Number one, I am not a sheep. Number two, I refuse to live in fear. Number three, I can see just fine. Number four, I respect your choice to use headlights, so respect my choice not to. Five, if other drivers cannot see me, that's their problem. <laughs> Six, it may be a law, but it's, it's an unjust law and infringes on my constitutional rights. Seven, I have a medical ex- exemption, and you are not allowed to ask me about that. Eight, <laughs> I am a member of the Freedom to Drive in the Dark Committee. <laughs> But the ridiculous, uh, ridiculousness of it sort of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It really does. You know, all these people. So, you know, Donna, it's interesting. Um, I've been thinking about the inextricable link between our rights and our responsibilities. Mm. Um, going back quite a few decades now, Stephen and I used to go to New York every year just before Christmas. He, he would go for um, a convention and I would go to tag along because it's New York. Right, why wouldn't <laughs> and at Rockefeller Center, there was a plaque and a, by, written by John D. Rockefeller. And it starts off where it says, I believe that every right implies a responsibility, every opportunity, an obligation, every possession, a duty. And, uh, you know, for somebody who who was the world's first billionaire, um, saying that, I think, meant something. And, uh, you know, even just going to the Rockefeller Center, um, you know, donated land and a beautiful square and their skating rink and all of that. So, um, I, you know, after that, like, I remember thinking about that. I took a photo of it. This is before the digital age. And, um, and pondered it. And, and every time I heard somebody ranting and raving about their rights, in a sort of annoying way, I would think, okay, well, so what is their responsibility here? And there always was one. And so I am very convinced that, you know, 
we need to, especially Christians, so need to be mindful of the fact that with our rights come responsibilities. And, you know, Jesus was such an amazing, well, I mean, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus talks about so many things. So one of the things that he says, and I'm thinking of Matthew um, 5, is he talks about, you know, the, the famous, you've heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him, the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And then he says, I think this is what revolutionized the world. This, this next phrase, besides like the person of Jesus revolutionized the world, but it, he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons and daughters of your father in heaven. And so when you think of it that way, right, this idea of churches in the state saying it's our right to assemble when and as, as many people as we want and without wearing a mask, I think that shows a lack of love. It shows a lack of love. Um, to their neighbors, mm -hmm. and we are called to love our neighbors. And I'm sure they're citing their religious freedoms, but, you know, Jesus said the first commandment is to love God with your whole heart and your whole, I'm going to get into that later because I've got, found a really great translation of that. Mm -hmm. um, but to love our neighbor as ourselves, that's, that's law number one. That comes before religious freedom. It really does. And, you know, um, like, I, I think that with the exception of one person, I quoted a lot of very influential people speaking about responsibility in that column that you referred to. And um, all of them were Christians except for one. And, um, you know, the, the great U.S. civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know, the time is always right to do what's right. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, because he was referring to the fact that, you know, the, the government was trying to delay giving uh, African-Americans um, equality. Right. But, yeah. And uh, so the t times of crisis beyond all times are the time to do the right thing. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, no, I, th I think the thing that's most, I, I always just, my, one of my favorite verses is um, from 2 Corinthians 3.17, where it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if you look around the world, and the basically all the countries of the world that are free and democratic have a Christian Judeo background, or they had those values imposed upon them. True. So, uh, yeah. And, and so we have our freedom, and and we know where it comes from. It comes from the spirit of the Lord. And so we need to honor, we need to honor Jesus, right? In, in, in trying to protect our neighbors from a terrible disease. And I get like, nobody wants to give up our rights and our freedoms, but I don't believe that that's what's going on here. We are, um, we are walk, going the second mile. Like, you know, our pastor at uh, First Alliance Church, um, he, he said, 
that um, the right and loving attitude is um, like our church was allowed to stay open um, and to have, and it's a huge church. So they very easily could have socially distanced and kept people in family groups, but they decided to go the second mile, which is something that Jesus says in that sermon on the Mount, Mm -hmm. go the second mile and do all we can to protect our neighbors, our vulnerable, the most vulnerable in society, the elderly and and just a little bit of background on the second mile. This was a time when Rome had conquered Palestine. And so a Roman soldier could, um, by law, force anyone to carry his pack or, or whatever for one mile. And mm-hmm. so Jesus was saying, if that happens to you, offer to go the second mile. That's yeah, love. It is love. And it might but, change that, that, that heart, right? Let me just uh, read a portion of your of your column to sort of um, take us through this uh, topic sort of systematically. You said, it appears, uh, no, it started with, um, our rights and responsibilities are two sides of the same coin. In a free and dem- democratic society, one cannot exist without the other. It appears anti-maskers have forgotten that. These people spend a lot of time demanding their right, you've got in quotations, to assemble with as many people as they want or to walk into any store or government office while not wearing a mask during the deadly COVID-19 pandemic. But you never hear them mention their responsibility to care for others. So just explain to us a bit about this idea of responsibility and and, um, rights being two sides of the same coin. Yeah, so we have the right to freedom, right? To live freely, but you lose that right if you act in an irresponsible way and you either kill somebody by will or by um, negligence. So we are responsible to be careful not to harm others. Otherwise, we lose our freedom. So it's all interconnected, mm-hmm. right? And I love that thing that you read at the beginning that, you know, oh, I have the right to, to drive in the dark. Well, um, okay, <laughs> but somebody might not see you and they might smash into you and then, you know, there, there's a problem there. So um, it's like, you know, those jurisdictions in Canada, we, we make people wear helmets when they ride a motorcycle, And I had a friend who rode a motorcycle. His mom bought him the very, very best helmet money could buy, naturally. And he once wiped out. And luckily, he was wearing those thick leathers and this new helmet. And the helmet, when he skidded along the ground, ground down to his head. So had he not been wearing a helmet, he would have either died or been a vegetable, probably. Right. So, um... You know, we have laws that limit our freedoms. We have ordered freedom because we live in community. If you live by yourself out in the middle of the jungle or forest somewhere, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but, um, you know, we have ordered freedom so that we can, it's, it's like manners, actually, Donna. You know, when I think about that, I think, why do we teach our kids good manners, um, including table manners? It's so that when somebody sits across the table from them, they're not grossed out by them, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we do that because it's, it, it, it's polite to not offend others. It makes them feel better right. if, if we have some conventions and some rules. And so, you know, one of the things that I love the best that um, I quoted was um, 
a, a quote from Stephen Covey. Mm, and I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, he's that best-selling author of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and, and a, a very devout Christian man. And I love this quote because he says, look at the word responsibility. And then he breaks it in two. It's like response and then hyphen ability. And he says the ability to choose your response. And, you know, really, yeah, we have the ability to choose our response and that response should be a response of love and um, kindness to others and responsibility to others. So and, it, it's saying in a way that we have the ability to choose not just what comes naturally to us. We have the ability to choose a response that is more loving than we might naturally uh, otherwise choose. Yeah, and it's like any muscle, right? You exercise it enough and it does become natural. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all aim as, as Christians, right, is, is to become more and more like Jesus every day. For him, it was very natural to be all love, right? But for us, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking about, remember when um, – couple of years ago, or several years ago, there was a, um, a lot of protests in Quebec from university students who were like setting cars on fire and the rest of it because the government wanted to raise their tuition rates for post-secondary by not very much, like a very small amount, keeping them still the lowest cost university um, tuition in the country. And, you know, these were people like the, the entitlement yes. to think that everybody else owes them a free university or a, a near, a, a very, very inexpensive university education. You know, that kind of rage comes from entitlement. And so that's why I think, you know, one of Dr. Viktor Frankl, and he was a Holocaust survivor, a brilliant man. He wrote um, a best-selling little book called um, Man's Search for Meaning. And he, um, he said that um, when he visited the United States, he said, I recommend that the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast be supplemented by a Statue of Responsibility on the West Coast. I and, love and that. The reason, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think the reason for that is he, he worried that when you only talk about rights, you risk dissolving those rights into mere license. Well, I have the right to do that, but it's not balanced. And so um, I thought that was very profound. And um, I think that as, uh, as Christians, we should always be looking, how can I be responsible in the exercise of my rights? Listen to Mark 12, 30 and 31 in the Passion Translation. You are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than these. So what does that mean in the midst of a pandemic? Yeah, it means that we need to try to do what we can to protect our neighbors. 
And even the neighbors, we don't know because we don't know, like if we spread the, the, the virus, we don't know where it's going to end up and who it's going to end up killing. And so we, we need to be mindful of um, just loving others passionately. And when we do that, I think we just have that duty of care. I love, I love that you said love, each, love others passionately. Uh, in First mm-hmm. Peter 4, 8, in the voice translation, it says, most of all, love each other steadily and unselfishly because love makes up for many faults. And then in First Peter 1, 22, it says, now that you've taken care to purify your souls through the submission to the truth, you can experience real love for each other. So love each other deeply from a pure heart. I think I think this word uh, deeply um, is a, a a Greek word um, translated deeply, earnestly, or fervently is is used, and I'm not going to attempt the Greek pronunciation. <laughs> it's used to describe something you said earlier: the muscles of an athlete straining to win a race. So mm. Peter is writing that Christians should do this above all to. Um, strain those love muscles to um, accomplish something that's noble and heroic. A Jesus follower needs to make demonstrating the love of Jesus to others his or her first priority beyond our own comfort or rights or safety. This is always uh, what Jesus requires of us, but especially now during uh, this season of confusion and difficulty that we're in right now. Well, I love how you said that. I mean, that is so right on. <laughs> you know, uh, that's it. And I, I'm going to go so far, and this is going to be a bit controversial, I think, Donna. You know, cut it out if you don't like it. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's okay. We're, I, I have Kevin as my co-host. We're always controversial. <laughs> I know, I know. I love your podcast. So, um, is that I would go so far as to say that the churches that are going around ranting about their rights to be able to not wear a mask, I would say that that's actually quite blasphemous in the sense that God does, Jesus wants us to go the second mile. He wants us to protect others. He wants us to, to display our deep, passionate love for them in every way possible so that we are so desirable to the world mm, yeah and, and yeah and you know let, let's face it most churches certainly in Canada um, have gone the second mile without question but I'm just saying that there's a few out there and of course those are the ones that make the news and it's and it's too bad because I do think that it, it puts the kingdom in a bad light it does I, I I love the quote no wonder people don't like Jesus his bride is so ugly <laughs> <laughs> And there have been times throughout probably every generation where uh, times or places where the church has been very ugly. Granted, times where it has been beautiful and done so many good things in the world, but also times when the bride has been ugly. Yes. yes. Well, let's just talk about some of the specific things that we can do to um, to love others practically during this time. I, I got some of these ideas off a. a a blog called All Pro Dad, Five Ways to Love Your Neighbor. I don't know that we're going to do the next, the same exact five ways, but he did inspire me with some ideas. The first one is to be generous. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that we can do to, um, to help others. And a lot of them are free. 
right? Our time, our expertise, maybe somebody needs something fixed or mended or cooked or bought or whatever, you know, we can do that. We can share kindness, even just taking the time to um, give people a few words of kindness or smiling, let your eyes smile, even if your mask is hiding what your mouth is doing. And we can pray for people. Uh, I prayed over a friend uh, over the phone a couple of days ago. She doesn't know the Lord yet, or if she does, she's a brand new Christian. And she was in tears by the time I finished. And it wasn't anything super profound. It was just a way of showing kindness. And I think we all need that now. I do too. And, you know, I think it's interesting. um, When people are feeling vulnerable, and or afraid, a lot of times I think their hearts are softer. And so when people are feeling vulnerable or, you, you know, when na- now in the past, it might have been difficult to go to your elderly neighbor and bring them a pot of soup. Right. Because they think, well, what do they think? Like, I'm, you know, they might think that's really weird. But because there's, you know, it, it's difficult for them to get out. You know, doing that, it may say, you know, because of the pandemic, I thought you might like a pot of soup. And, yeah. and, you know, those are the kinds of things that are we're capable of doing now because of this strange situation that otherwise we might feel too shy to do. Mm, good point. I love this quote of Richard uh, Waitley's. He was an 18th century British theologian, and he said, a man is called selfish, not for pursuing his own good, but for neglecting his neighbors. Uh-huh. I, I had a really interesting example of this this summer. I, I spend 90% of the summer outside. I just love summer so much. So I was actually working on my chaise lounge in the backyard on my computer, and I heard someone frantically calling a name. Um, across my back alley. And I thought, oh, I really don't want to be interrupted right now. I'm I'm in the zone. But I thought, I think this poor woman's lost her dog. And she sounds pretty frantic. And I'll just put my computer down and go help look. So I go through my back gate and run into this lady who's now on the phone to her husband, just hysterical. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I interrupted her to say, did you lose your dog? I'll help you look. And she said, no, I've lost my baby. (gasps) I know. And I said, and I could tell from her conversation with her husband that I'd overheard while I was approaching her that he was trying to talk her down. He was trying to calm Mm -hmm. her down. And I just said to her, hang up with your husband right now and call the police. And Mm -hmm. she did. She listened to me probably because I'm older than her mother. But anyway, she did. She called the police and I told her, I'm, I'm going to get on my bike and start looking. And um, I ran into the house, abruptly ended my husband's Zoom meeting that he was leading <laughs> and told him to go the other way. And so, uh, you know, everybody I passed on my little bike ride, I asked, have you seen this little child? And uh, eventually, um, you know, the police helicopters were overhead. So I knew the woman had called and that they were looking. And uh, eventually police cars were stopping me and asking me if I'd seen this baby. (laughs) But I passed another cyclist and asked him. And he said, yes, there's a woman in a van driving around with this baby trying to find who she belongs to. Now, why this woman didn't just call the police, I have no idea. But anyway, so I sent the cyclist uh, over to where uh, 
the neighbor lived because I knew there was a police, a couple of police women with her. And so he went right over, gave them the description of the van and everything. And because all of these helicopters were in the air, they found it really quickly. So mm-hmm. when I knew that was going on, I just went and stayed with my neighbor. And mm-hmm. um, of course, when we found the baby um, and the baby was brought back to her, we're both, we both burst into tears. <laughs> and I hugged her and I knew I wasn't supposed to with COVID, but that was the way I knew I needed to love my neighbor in that moment. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool story. So another thing we can do is to be trustworthy, right? To be ethical and honest and fair, to set high standards and stay true to them. Um, yeah. yeah. That's what's, what's required of us. It's, it's our duty. Um, and I think especially for those of us who um, follow Jesus, that's Jesus's way. Mm-hmm. All about love. And then we can be peaceful. Um, I don't know if you, I'm sure being in in the news business, you've heard the stories of Chinook Center having to be, that's our biggest mall, having to be evacuated twice in one weekend because of fights breaking out. Um, You know, we're all a little on edge, but this is a time to, to not, to cut each other some extra grace, right? And to let some things go. We're just about out of time here. So I want to finish with um, what I think is a beautiful translation of Colossians 3.13. And maybe this is the thought we can leave our listeners with today. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Mm -hmm. Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If somebody snaps at you because you're wearing a mask and, or you want them to wear a mask or whatever, you know, we can be gracious. We can choose to be gracious. We can choose yeah. to have that, that response ability and to, um, yeah, to be loving in that way. Beautiful. Perfect. That's all we've got for you today on Girl on the Go. Thank you so much for being with me today, Licha. Oh, it's my pleasure, Donna, always. So that's it for us today. Thanks for joining us. And we're inviting you to be um, response-able. <laughs> and that's how we will grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.